0: been a minute hasn't it as they say we have not played uh, a session of two-headed serpent for over six weeks now the last session I looked at just before we started recording was the 21st of November so if you've forgotten what you're doing who you are where you are and why I will not blame you and I have probably forgotten as well so
1: yeah I think we should go around and introduce our characters again yeah
0: oh good god <laughs> no we don't see that <laughs> But let me try and piece together in very high level you've been sent to this town of bingham oklahoma by caduceus to investigate the reverend cornfield who's been sending out those broadcasts with this subliminal messages praising yig in nakal underneath these recordings you met joshua Meadham the patriarch of the medium organization and his rather scary right-hand man, that seven-foot-tall old guy, canning. Good God. You'll be getting canned if you, if you get on the wrong side of him. You were sent with fairly explicit instructions that these are not people to be just indiscriminately slaughtered. They have no necessarily ill will against them, but they are not comfortable with some random preacher who they have no idea who he is being spreading the word and of course they're concerned that the inner knight the other faction are, might also be involved in some way
1: so fear not mr selby i've left my tommy gun at home
0: and you did a f- little bit of scouting around the town you checked into the hotel you went to the general store where thackeray bought a cowboy hat <laughs> and boots as well or was it just a hat i can't remember anyway
1: boots and i bought chaps as well assless Ah, but you are deceived, Mr. Selby. You see, all chaps are assless by definition. This is true, I suppose.
0: I'd like to think that you're wearing this sort of rhinestone, like, glitzy cowboy suit, like the, one of those powder blue or pink. Or <laughs> I did purchase the most expensive ones available. Covered in rhinestones.
1: All of a sudden, we're playing Blazing Saddles. The new sheriff's an Indian?
0: Hmm. You went to the, the local bar, this run-down old place, called the Deerhead Saloon. You went to the Deerhead Saloon just on the um, north side of the railway line, railway tracks, where you met Hilliard Fowler, a rather whiskey-sodden, bedraggled old drunkard who also happens to run the lumber mill, which is probably not a good combination, being a drunkard (laughs) and running a, a lumber mill. But it turned out that he, along with probably quite a number of the townsfolk, are very much concerned about Cornfield and are very suspicious of his motivations and and, a, and there's lots of rather unpleasant rumours about him cursing people and doing despicable and dangerous things. There seems to be some kind of organisation that within the town that are very anti this new religion that's being spread around. Hilliard was clearly happy that you were not believers coming to the town to join this cult, I suppose, as he would put it. And that hopefully you would, you know, land up on their side if there were, there was any trouble. He did give you two pieces of rather curious information about the effects that Cornfield has had, the reverence has had. One was about this pe- poor old Peggy Shaw, this young the young woman who was having difficulty giving birth. And they say Cornfield sat with her and put a curse on her baby. And no one's seen it to this day. And, and that's where you were headed. When we last spoke, the other thing he told you was that Cornfield is possessed by the devil, of course, this typical kind of thing. And under the guise of healing people, he has instead cursed them. So I think that was all you, you knew. So you're walking down Oklahoma Street, then you turn right on Liberty, up towards Brown, where Peggy Shaw's residence is.
1: I'm not walking. I believe we call it moseying. Or strutting. Sometimes we call it strutting, Doc.
2: Make sure you loop your, put your thumbs in your belt loops. It makes you look cool.
1: Yes, quite. Mm. Do you think this belt buckle is big enough, Mr. Selby?
2: Well, isn't that the biggest one they had? It is.
0: So you get to the corner and you see a very uh, kind of classic, old-fashioned sort of blacksmith's workshop there, which actually has a sign over the top saying, Show and bounce, Smithy. And there's a house next to a large barn that houses a forge, fuel and various tools and metals. And the sound of hammering on a massive anvil is is clearly audible as you approach. But as you do approach, can everyone make a spot hidden roll? Spot hidden. Oh, this hat
1: keeps falling down over my eyes.
0: Excellent, excellent. So uh, Richard and uh, Logan, you both see something rather odd. Let's say there's obviously it's a working smithy, but the house next door it has a kind of flat roof with a you know rooftop terrace type thing on the top or at least half of the roof is is that way and lying down on a sunbed is a woman and she's completely naked and she's sunning herself on the roof
3: hey there doll
1: <laughs> Chester
0: do you see that
1: my word
0: yeah
3: naked woman sunning herself
0: yes she's just stretched completely out her eyes are shut and yeah, she looks radiant. Her skin is is, is glowing a healthy pink, and it's clearly the, the house is clearly belongs to the blacksmith, who's hammering away at the moment in the in the shed.
3: Well, that's something you don't see every day.
0: Logan will, right? Golly, gotta move to this town. This is outrageous. This is not something you expect to see in Oklahoma. No. <laughs> You wouldn't expect to see it even in risque neighborhoods of New York. I mean, this is this is crazy. This is not normal behavior at all. In
1: India, we are quite used to seeing uh, naked untouchables walking around. It is nothing new.
2: Logan just lets out a loud whistle. You're being rude.
0: When you make a luck roll after making that whistle, okay. Oh, hard success. Okay. I'll tell you, the result of that um, hard success is that the blacksmith doesn't hear you whistle, but the lady on the roof does. <laughs> and she stirs a little, as if she was drowsy and maybe half asleep. And then she just sits up, walks over to the balcony and just leans on the railing, her, her pendulous bosom drooping down over the, over the railing, and looks down at you and says, oh, hi, did you whistle?
1: Logan will point at uh, the professor. I tip my hat politely. And I say, Madam, sorry, I I hardly noticed you up there. Pardon the rudeness of my friends. They're quite young and unworldly. Uh, tell me, is your, is your husband at home? Oh,
0: oh yeah, yes, yep. Yeah. You can hear him right now. Bill's in the workshop. I see. Yeah. Tell me, does he make uh, custom belt buckles? Oh, I don't think he does small work like that. He mainly uh, shoes, horses, and... Uh... You know, makes ironwork for farming equipment. But maybe. Why don't you go and ask him, Em? He, he's there. Ah, uh, thank you. She seems utterly unconcerned about her nudity being on full display. Tell me, madam, one more question. We've
1: lately come to this town uh, to hear the teachings of your new preacher. Can you uh, tell us anything about the Reverend Cornfield?
0: <gasps> oh, the Reverend Cornfield. You're here to see him, are you?
1: We've travelled many miles.
0: Oh, how wonderful, how wonderful. Yes, yes. Well, of course, he's the most wonderful man. And you know, he possesses a healing touch. Praise the Lord. Has he uh, healed uh, perhaps any malady of yours, if you don't
1: mind me asking such a personal question? I mean, she looks pretty healthy to me, Doc. (laughs)
0: Mind yourself. I don't mind you asking. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. That's why I like sunning myself. I'm so enjoying... I knew, well, how wonderful my skin is now. I used to have this very painful skin condition, you see. But uh, the Reverend, he, he laid his healing hands on me and... Look at me now! And she just kind of lifts her arms up and sort of just slowly turns around to give you a full 360 degree view.
1: Hopefully he can do the same for us. Well, I appreciate your candor, ma'am.
0: Oh, it's no problem at all. I'm sure if you have any small ailments or anything, the Reverend, he'll just whisk them away in, in a moment.
1: Small,
3: like, uh, because you know Richard's thinking about the snake skin stuff.
1: Mr. Chesterton, you are quite red in the face.
3: Well, I mean, it's a pretty lady, don't you think, Doc?
1: Do not let your passions get the better of you.
0: Right. She's a striking looking woman and, you know, you realize that she looks much younger than she must be. She's clearly a uh, middle age, but her, she looks absolutely radiant and glowing.
1: she mm. Should be careful how much sun you get.
0: She says, oh, oh, my darling, I just can't get enough of it. And she just lifts her face up gently and just takes it and says, oh, feel those rays.
3: you think uh, Molly would care if I asked her out for a drink sometime?
1: This is a married woman, Mr. Chesterton. Oh, yeah, right. That's right.
2: She might need some assistance with her sunscreen though. there, uh, Richard. A. Hey, P.
1: Thacker Thackeray just starts walking further up Liberty Street. He just abandons them.
2: Okay.
0: What about the, the other two of you? I guess we'll just continue on with the professor. At least I, I will, anyway. Just Does and linger for a little...
3: He's looking, <laughs> for sure.
0: Okay. Maybe you're just like, as you're walking off, you're just, your head is just like 180 degrees back. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
3: just keep churning, looking over my... Yep, yep, yep.
0: Okay. So you start walking up the street. After a short while, you hear that the hammering in the blacksmith has, has uh, stopped. And then you hear a male voice, a gruff deep male voice shouting out, Pearl, for God's sake, get off that roof. You're making a spectacle of yourself. And you turn around and, and see the, the rather gruff and angry-looking face of some of the blacksmith who's, who's clearly Bill about He's berating his wife and telling her to put some damn clothes on.
3: I can see why he wouldn't want everybody looking at her. She's a real looker, don't you think, Mr. Selby?
2: Yes, indeed. Don't see him like that in New York.
0: No, you don't. No, you don't. So you head down the street a little way to the Shore Residence. It's a small two-bedroom timber-framed house, looking very much like many of the other homes in Bingham. It's, it's clearly a modest residence. The weather is warming up, but it's not like particularly warm on the rooftop there. It wasn't exactly sunbathing weather, <laughs> let's put it that way, but it was sunny, so maybe if you keep yourself sheltered away from the wind, it's not too bad. But yeah, you get to the Shore Residence, was a bit uh, nippily, wouldn't you say? I mean, nip, nippily. No, uh, nip, nip,
1: nippy, nippy.
3: Richard gives you a, just a smarmy grin. I mean, just king of smarm when you say that.
0: So you notice that it's not that unusual, but most of the other houses haven't got haven't got smoke coming out of the roofs, but coming out of the chimneys. But clearly, whoever's inside at the shore residence has got the stove on because there's small puffs of smoke coming up out of uh, a metal sort of chimney.
1: Need I remind you how the good folks around here are typically fearful of Indians, so I've been told so perhaps Mr Chesterton or Mr Selby could uh, lead the way. I'll knock on the door. What do you think, just knock on the door? That would be the polite thing to do, I think.
0: Okay, so you knock on the door, and you see movement inside through the screen door, and out the door opens, and a very attractive young woman answers the door. And although she's pretty and quite young, I mean, she's probably probably no more than 21, I'd say. Maybe even younger. She's drawn and tired looking. And she's clearly pregnant. Her maternity dress is drab and worn. And the washed out colour of which sort of matches her, her very p- sallow skin complexion. And she, she glances up sort of questioningly at you. And she says, can I help you?
3: Nice, Good day, miss. Uh, my name is Mr. Richard Chesterton. What are you selling? I'm not selling anything. I've uh, just had some questions about... We're new in town, and uh, we... I don't know what to say. Just kind of uh, heard you might be having some troubles up here.
0: Troubles? There's always troubles around here, mister. I'm too young to be having so much troubles in my life.
1: Uh, madam, if I may interject, um, and please do not be alarmed. I... Um, Quite invested in the American way. I'm not one of those Indians, if you take my meaning. Madam, if I may ask, uh, see, we've traveled a very long way to see the new preacher, uh, Reverend Cornfield, and see if he could perhaps help us. Now, we heard around town that he was instrumental in aiding you and your child, and we were hoping if we could question you more about that. Yeah,
0: I didn't know we were going
3: to mention that right away.
0: Why, you you don't believe in the Reverend? You, You need to go asking around? How much good he done? Pardon my skepticism,
1: but you know where I'm from. There are many uh, holy men who make uh, rather fantastic claims.
0: Well, Reverend is a true man of faith, and he's touched us all. He helped me. And she puts a hand on her stomach. Now, just to fill you in, in case you you haven't, uh, it's been a while. According to Hilliard, she had a baby within the last few months. And she's clearly pregnant again, quite heavily pregnant.
1: Well, you know how they do things in these towns. So.
3: Uh, is this your uh, first... I'm not going to... Hmm.
0: She says, oh, why don't you come in and I got a pot of coffee on the stove.
1: Oh, that is very hospitable. I do appreciate it.
0: I mean, anyone that's uh, a follower of the Reverend, uh, we all got to look out for each other, now.
1: Too right.
3: Absolutely, we do.
1: Yes.
2: Excuse me, miss. My name's Logan and my friends here are a little shy and- I'm just curious. How did the good reverend help you out?
0: Well, it's, it's like a miracle. They said I couldn't have no babies. That I was all wrong inside. But the reverend, he blessed me. And I blessed me with this and with my firstborn. So this is your second child? Yeah, she says. You can all make a psychology role at this point. Wow. Psychology. Okay. Of course, Thackeray's the only one who's actually got any skill. But with that extreme success... Not only do you know that she's lying, you know that she actually means she's had more than two. And she's no more than 20 years old. But, I mean, of course it's possible, of course. But you also notice that when she said that, her eyes couldn't help flicking over towards the stove a couple of times when she said that it was her second.
1: Miss Shaw, how about this? Do I smell anything cooking?
0: No, but the stove is on. Okay. And is putting out quite a lot of heat into the room. As I said, it's April. It's not hot outside, but it's certainly not cold. Certainly not cold enough to warrant having the stove on full blast like she's got it.
1: Miss Shaw, may I what are you baking?
0: Baking? Oh, I don't know how to bake nothing, sir. You know, I get a bit cold, so I like having the stove on. I see. You know that she's lying again. I'm giving you a a continuous psychological evaluation because of that role.
3: Right. Okay.
2: So how old is your first child?
0: Oh, oh, he's no more than. Uh... Well, he's like, oh, what is it now? Oh, four months.
2: Four months, really?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He's a young one. Doesn't make much. Fun. He doesn't make much fuss.
2: Logan looks at her belly and kind of looks at his friends and kind of raises an eye, eyebrow. One plus two
3: plus three. Yeah, I don't know much about the female stuff in babies, but there's something wrong about this math. He's kind of. Says it to the
0: to
2: the room
3: no to you guys and kind of
1: quietly i mean i'm sure she can probably still hear him.
0: yeah maybe the point where she's turned around to go and, and fetch the coffee pot off the stove you sort of say that quietly to them
1: mr selby does it not look like something is is not right with that stove it shouldn't be smoking like that should it uh, you wouldn't think so should i mix uh, perhaps you would uh, be good enough to uh, take a look at it for miss shaw
2: Yes, indeed. Like I could possibly do that. Would you like me to make some kind of uh, investigative role? spot hidden, or mechanical?
1: Well, just open the damn thing up.
2: Yeah, let's just see what's inside it. Man. Sure, I'll walk over and just open up the oven because that's what you do when you're at know, somebody else's house.
0: I mean, she's obviously standing by it.
1: I will walk over and uh, try to interject myself between her and him and like reach for the, um, re- make a show of reaching for the um, mugs to help her with the coffee.
0: Okay. She lets you pick the coffee pot up, but as she sees that you're getting closer to the stove and particularly Logan as well, she kind of her eyes kind of widen a bit and she she says, "Oh no, 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 it's it's okay. It's okay." And she kind of tries to sidle across so she she actually's trying to get between you and and the stove. So she's clearly trying to keep you away from it.
2: So she is between me and the stove at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's trying to sort of not so subtly stop you from getting too close to it. She says, oh, don't you fuss. It's a bit temperamental, this stove here. Watch out, you don't want to burn yourself. Let me just get that for you.
1: But it could be dangerous. Oh, that is quite the point, Miss Shaw. My friend Mr. Selby here is quite the mechanic. He can take a look, free of charge. No bother. at all.
0: No, 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 I I couldn't possibly let you do that. No, 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 it's fine. No, no, please sit down and, and we can talk about the reverend.
1: Oh yes, that would be lovely. No, you please sit. Uh, A woman in your state should not be bothering over much over us. Please, let me get the cups. Okay.
2: Logan will take her hand and kind of lead her to the table, so she's kind of, you know, I'm trying to get her to sit while the doc's over there by the stove.
1: I'm going to uh, drop one of the mugs on the ground, and when I do, I'm going to open the oven with my elbow as I bend down to scoop up the
0: pieces. Okay. Well, before you get a chance to open it, make a slate of hand.
1: Big 10%, let's
0: see it. Ooh, do you want to spend some luck on that? you
1: could spend 11. Yeah, and that would... Uh, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's spend 11.
0: Okay, so you manage to do it subtly enough and that it clearly looks like an accident. Maybe as the cup smashes and skitters across, in the commotion, Peggy sort of leans down to maybe pick up a piece that's skittered across. You manage to get down to sort of eye level, to the stove. And you see that before you can open it, you actually realize there's something underneath it. There's a tray full of sand, and it has five leathery eggs sitting in it. Eggs? Yeah, big eggs, about the size of an ostrich egg.
2: So this is more of a wood-burning stove, then?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those freestanding like wood-burning stoves on cast iron.
2: I was thinking of an oven, so.
0: Oh, no, no, like one of those uh, standing ones, yeah, with a pipe going up.
3: That's quite the uh, omelette she's making in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do need to make a sanity roll because what you realize as you're staring at them is that the nearest one, you can see something moving within.
1: My, they breed strange chickens out here.
0: And, uh, yeah, you need to roll a d3. Okay.
1: Maybe there's an emu farm close by. Yes, that's a one on a d3.
0: So you you lose one sanity. What's your involuntary uh, reaction to seeing (laughs) that underneath the stove?
1: I have to excuse myself and I turn and I vomit into the
0: sink. Nice. Okay. Okay, so let's say that that action ends your stealthiness, your slate of hand, and, and Peggy turns around and says, oh, mister, are you, are you
3: okay? I'm... Oh. Doc, are you all right? The
1: chickens. The chickens. Oh. Chicken.
0: But right now, I guess everything is is all in a bit of a commotion. There's the broken cup on the floor. Thackeray is vomiting into the sink. Logan has helped uh, Peggy sit down, but she's trying to get up to try to help. Thackeray or to aid him in some way.
2: I'll kind of stand in front of her and say, oh, he's fine, he's fine. He's just, just uh, you know, we had a long flight today and he's just still getting over the flight.
0: Well, I mean... Oh, well, look, m- maybe the Reverend can help him. I mean, he's so helpful. He helped me in so many ways.
3: How did he help you? Like, what did he do for you?
0: Oh, he gave me the touch of the Lord and, and now I'm fruitful. Fruitful? Fruitful, yeah. I mean, I just wish... Gregory would turn his eye back to me And there's just a little tear
3: Aw, and Richard will kind of pat her on the shoulder You know how you do And he'll say, who would have been so foolish as to leave you alone, miss?
0: Oh, it's my husband, Gregory I don't know what happened to him, but He just don't want to be around me anymore I mean, what with these young uns and everything And another one on the way And he's not a faithful man, mister Gregory, I do love him, though
2: Miss Shaw, should we maybe check on your, your son? I mean, we've made quite a bit of noise here.
0: Oh no, he sleeps all day. All night as well. Really? Just curled up there, yeah. Curled up where? Oh, in
2: his crib upstairs. Oh, I see. Oh, boy. I guess I'm gonna be a little nosy here. and You just had your son four months ago, and you're pregnant now? How is that, Mrs. Shaw?
0: Oh, it's a miracle, I tell you. It's a miracle. The Reverend, his faith knows no bounds.
2: But what exactly did he do?
0: He gave me the blessing of the Lord He laid his hands on me I see
3: He laid his hands on you and you got pregnant?
0: Well No, I mean, my husband and I we, Well, you know then she blushes
3: I see So the blessing was just to help you and your husband have a child
0: Yeah, but Like I said, Gregory He's been straying I, I don't know what came over him.
1: Uh, Perhaps we could have a... um, I do apologize about the mess. I I have cleaned it up, but I left the towels in the bin under the sink. I'm very sorry. Perhaps we could go have a chat with uh, Gregory.
0: I would be mighty grateful if you would. And if you do see him with anyone else, you would tell me, wouldn't you? I can hardly sleep at night thinking about it. Of course, madam, of
1: course. And I pull out uh, $20 and I give it to her.
0: What's this for?
1: For the information, ma'am, I, we do appreciate you helping us, and I can see that you're having a bit of a tough time right now.
0: Oh, I, maybe it's just my being pregnant and all, and all the mood swings. And no, I, I'm actually really much better now than I ever was before. And again, her eyes flick back to what you know is underneath that <laughs> that stove.
1: And uh, bile wells up in my throat as I turn away.
0: She says, "You know, the Reverend. He got his powers after he." You know, he went on his pilgrimage. He's, he wandered for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. That's what they say.
2: Pardon me, C- could I use your restroom? Ah, yeah.
0: uh, certainly, uh, sir. It's upstairs on the landing. Just be quiet and don't disturb the baby, please. Yeah, just take the first on the left. The The room on the right's where the baby's sleeping. Please don't disturb him.
2: Excellent, thank you. And I'll wander off that way. Okay. So tell
1: me, uh, what have you named your child?
0: Oh, the first one. Oh, Seth,
1: Seth! What a peculiar name! I did not realize he was Jewish. Is that a Jewish name?
0: What's a Jew?
3: Do you have names picked out for your next baby?
0: Oh no, uh, I, ain't. If you got any suggestions, I, uh, I'd be happy to. Uh, got to come up with so many names, you see. She says in this sort of distracted way.
1: Oh, if it's a girl, who's the uh, the young lady in in
0: Hamlet? Is it Ophelia? Ophelia. I don't know no plays or nothing. Ophiria, that's a nice name.
3: If it's a boy, you should name it Reuben. Then you have Seth and Reuben.
0: Oh, is that from the Bible?
1: I feel like it must be.
3: I think so, yeah. It's also from a book I read called uh, Cold Comfort Farm.
0: Right, right.
1: Well, I am so glad that the Reverend was able to keep the snake Satan away from this house.
0: Oh, no. We don't think that way of snakes around here. The Reverend, he's, well, he's a, a real devotee of that, what you call it, the snake handling. That's the high point of all of our services.
1: Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Does uh, the uh, angel of the Lord uh, save the Reverend from being bitten by the servants of the devil?
0: Oh, absolutely. The Reverend, he ain't afraid of nothing. I see. Oh, he'll pick up any snake that's brought before him. He's never harmed, not once, not a bite, nothing. Anyway, as he said, it's it's just like the Bible says. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of thy enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. You
4: know that? That's Luke.
1: Well, that is fascinating, and I cannot wait to hear it from the Reverend himself when I see him. And I will definitely tell him how helpful you have been
0: to us and how hospitable. Meanwhile, Logan, are you going to try... Sneaking into the baby's room at this point.
2: Absolutely. That was the whole plan. I was just hoping the bathroom was upstairs.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, given that they are deep in conversation, I will give you a bonus on your stealth role. Wow, you needed that. You got an extreme, goodness me. I took my shoes off. Yeah, you do get a tick for that, even though you got they had the bonus, just incidentally. Thanks. And you move like a ghost, even though this is an old clapboard house. Not a single creak emanates from your tread.
2: I'm walking near the walls that way, you know, I'm closer to the stud, you know.
0: That old trick. And you slowly turn the handle on the door so as not to make a noise. just makes this gentle click as it opens. And it's obviously a, a second bedroom. It's not their bedroom. They're obviously well enough off to have two bedrooms in the house. And there's a crib near the window, which is slightly open, so a breeze is coming in. Do
2: I notice anything unusual about the room before I cross the room?
0: You can make a spot-hidden roll. Okay. There's a funny smell in the room, even though the window is open a bit. Now, I can't imagine you've been around babies that much, Logan. <laughs> or you can tell me if you have. No. No. My
2: experience is mostly military at this point, so...
0: Yeah. So, does not smell like a baby. It smells kind of strange and a bit of a sharp smell coming from the crib
2: okay I'll make my way around the room and over the crib
0: okay yeah there's nothing much in the room there's a mobile hanging from the uh, over the crib with just some aeroplanes and cars like small wooden cardboard cutouts of of them and it's uh, lazily drifting around in the breeze and then you hear a little noise coming from the crib itself cute little baby noise
2: okay Anything unusual about the baby?
0: Well, maybe it was like it was facing away from you. And as you sort of loom over it, he turns, it's a boy. He turns around slowly. It's a very young baby. Four months. Yeah. Covered in fine scales. (laughs) And his eyes just sleepily flicker open. And he smiles at you when he sees you. Opens his mouth. And flicks out his little forked tongue.
2: Tasting the air, yes, yes.
0: And you're going to have to make a sanity roll for seeing
2: this. I should be used to seeing this kind of thing by now.
0: You should be. Right, so, uh, yeah, you need to roll d d6. (laughs) Oh, that's all right, you only lose one sanity. But I'm going to say you involuntarily, like, stagger backwards on seeing this baby knock into something. And the baby starts crying. (laughs) And then you hear Peggy's voice saying, oh, Seth must be fussing. Do you mind if I just go and check on him? Oh,
1: please do. Please do. Uh, Is there anything uh, that you need? Um, Is there anything I can... Sorry for ruining your towels, uh, but uh, is there anything I can get you uh, for the baby?
0: Oh, sir, no, you've been more than kind with the the money and all. As I said, if you see Gregory, tell him I'd like to see him home soon. He didn't come in last night, you see. But other than that, everything's fine. But look, I gotta go and check on Seth. And then she heads towards the staircase. You hear all this from upstairs, Logan.
2: Can I quickly try and get to the bathroom so I'm like coming out of the bathroom when she comes upstairs?
0: Yeah, you can make a dexterity roll.
2: Fabulous. Oh, great. Well, I could use four luck on that, right?
0: Yes, you can. All right. all right. So you managed to just get to the bathroom in time and close the door before she appears on the landing of the second floor and then. You time it so you're coming out of the bathroom. She sees you, and maybe she startles a little bit. She she says, oh, oh, sorry, Mr. Selby. I've I, I clean forgotten you were in the bathroom. I need to go and make sure that Seth is okay. He doesn't normally cry at this time of day, so...
2: That's, I apologize, Michelle. It's probably my fault. I probably made too much noise in the bathroom.
0: Well, if you do see the Reverend, do say hello and tell him that everything's just perfectly fine.
2: Are we standing face to face? Yeah, can I just kind of look at her eyes and do I notice anything strange about her eyes or maybe just underneath the skin around her eyes? Or is she human?
0: You would have to make a spot-hidden role to All right. even like though to. you know what to look for. Yeah. So she looks perfectly human, actually. There's no strange, like, sagginess around the eyes. I mean, she's got puffy <laughs> black bags under her eyes, but perfectly human. Okay. Yeah.
1: Mr. Chesterton, look under the stove. Come here, quickly. And I pull the eggs out from under the stove. I will go,
0: Richard.
3: oh, what are those? <laughs> I can to make a Sandy roll, right? Yeah. Roll a d3. Yeah, okay. Ooh,
0: 93. Oh, a d3. D3. I'm
3: going to roll a d6.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, baby versus egg. I mean, the baby is surely got to be worse than seeing an egg.
3: How did you roll a d3, RT? I'm sorry, I don't see it. I just roll a d6. Oh, that's right, that's right.
0: Well, you're all pretty rock solid. And you do see this, again, these forms moving around and a couple of them. They're ready to hatch, and it's awful sight. They're snake-like, but also got, like, arms, and legs, and a human embryonic head as they move around.
1: (laughs) I begin picking them up and putting them into my hat. (laughs) Oh, my God! We're kidnapping now. What are those things in there? I don't know, but I'm very certain they are not a natural.
3: Uh, obviously, that's true. Do I get any kind of sense of, I don't know, because of my experiences with Tyrannish? Mm. Do I, I don't know, get any kind of feeling from the eggs or anything? Just ask me.
0: I'll say you can make a Cthulhu Mythos roll.
3: Okay. Yeah, we had a moment in the when the explosion happened in the, in the building, but... Yeah. Okay, Cthulhu Mythos.
4: Wow. Oh. Nice. Yeah.
0: You realize that the snake god Yig has probably through the reverend somehow has changed these people in in substantial ways.
3: Okay. All right. I will look at the doctor and I'll see. I've got a really bad feeling about this.
2: Oh. Hey, Andy, real quick. Mm Mm-hmm. I forgot something. When I was looking at the baby, do I carry my camera around with me? Could I have snapped a shot of the kid?
0: I'll tell you what, you can make a luck roll. I didn't even think about that till just now. Oh, look
2: at that. Yeah, let's say you did. Yeah, I would definitely like to have taken a quick shot of a kid before I stumbled. You got one shot
0: in. Maybe not a very good one, but...
2: Let's say I was focusing on the kid, and that's when I stumbled.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you've definitely got one. Let's just hope that camera doesn't get damaged or anything, you know.
1: Shame on you for thinking such things.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, so, Factory, are you really going to steal all these eggs? <laughs>
1: I look at Mr. Chesterton and I say,
3: what should we do? What should we do? If we steal them, we're messing with with Yig, the father of serpents.
1: Yes. Okay.
3: And I know that's kind of the cult that lives around here, but do we want to draw that much attention to ourselves right away? Perhaps.
1: Do you have the flamethrower with you?
3: I probably don't carry the flamethrower through the streets of uh, Bingham. (laughs)
1: Okay, I start placing the eggs one by one back in the sand and putting them back in hastily and trying to arrange the sand like it was. Yes,
2: yes. Logan, getting down to the bottom of the stairs, having heard the flamethrower comment, I would look look at my companions and say, you'll never guess what I saw upstairs.
1: I think I have a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think, uh, let me guess, something snaky?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely snaky. There's a snake baby up there.
1: Well, there's a clutch of eggs under the stove and I imagine another clutch in her belly. Well, then, um, thank you for all your hospitality, Miss Shaw. Uh, We'll be going now.
0: So you depart, having narrowly avoided breaking some eggs to make your omelette, so to speak. Yeah, and you're back out on the streets of Bingham, I guess, with a lot more to ponder.
1: If the community have seen her child, it's no wonder they say it's cursed. I kid you not. It's a snake. It looks just like a snake. Well, from what we've been told, nobody has seen the child. You are the first person to have seen the child.
3: We knew that the rumor was the cult was worshiping Yagen. I think we've discovered that's not just a rumor anymore.
1: I just really hope we don't have to go around town smothering babies. I just really hope I don't have to do that. I don't think
3: uh, smothering. I mean, it's not their fault, there, Snaky. Snakes can hold their breath for a long time.
1: Perhaps you're right. And we don't have the flamethrower, is that correct? I do have it, it's
3: back at the hotel.
1: Okay, okay. That's the only thing in this suitcase.
3: That is the only thing, I I didn't even bring a change of clothes, you know, I had to bring the flamethrower.
1: It's a flamethrower and a Mars bar.
3: Uh <laughs> huh. Breakfast the champions and all that. Well, we have a meeting with the Reverend, right, at, in the morning? We're supposed to meet Lloyd and Mortimer to meet the Reverend?
0: Yeah, they're going to meet him tomorrow morning. It's, it's probably getting on a bit now, it's probably late afternoon now by the time we've done all this uh
2: Did she tell us where her husband was?
0: She just said that he didn't come home last night. Right, right.
1: All right, so uh, why don't we make our way back to the uh, saloon? I think we could all probably use a drink. And uh, maybe we can ask about Gregory.
3: That's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea, Doc. Yeah. Doc, you're the idea
1: guy. And uh, perhaps uh, some omelets. No, no, never again. Yeah, I think I'm done with eggs myself. They breed strange chickens in Oklahoma.
0: Okay, so you're going to head to the deer's head again to get some dinner, yeah?
3: Yes, and a stiff drink
0: after seeing the eggs. And a stiff drink, right.
1: Liquid dinner. As we're
2: walking towards the saloon, Logan's going to be say, so she's pregnant now, but you guys found a clutch of eggs underneath the stove. How is this working out? I'm not that kind of doctor. Do they take the eggs and put them inside of her, or...? I'm a little
1: confused. I dare not think about it too closely.
2: Oh. Or is she laying eggs?
1: You know what? I've been getting a
3: little sick to my stomach here. I think it's time I go and uh, have that drink. Oh.
0: Right. So you you head back towards the deer's head.
3: It's enough to make me want to swear off women, and that's that's saying a lot for me.
0: Yeah. Heading back past the blacksmith, you see that that pearl is no longer on the roof. The door to the barn has been closed up. Bill must have obviously gone up there and got her to address her her modesty. Or something. Or something. And then you head down past the railway station, across the railway tracks, back to the deer's head. And actually, when you get in there, you see Hilliard. He's still still there, Hilliard. But he's talking rather conspiratorially to a, a young man and a young woman who are sitting at the table with him. They don't seem at all like the types that would be friends i mean hilliard's in his 60s and a a drunken old sot and these two are are a young and attractive couple
1: mr hilliard it is good to see you again oh are these your children
0: they stop talking as they see you walking over and they just they just look at you
1: i know i know i'm an indian but i'm trying
0: and the man says you know these people hilliard he says yeah I, i do i i reckon they're all right these three They came in here earlier and we had a bit of a, well, you know, a bit of a chat about old Cornfield. And the man stands up and he says, pleased to meet you. I'm Gregory, Gregory Shaw. Uh And he shakes your hand.
1: I must say, Mr. Shaw, you are just the very man we were looking to find. What a coincidence. We were just up by your house.
0: Huh. You were? Why, Why were you at my house?
1: Well, at first my companions were attracted to the young lady on the on the, the roof of the Smithy, but from there we got a bit lost, and your wife, Peggy, was able to give us directions back to this part of town.
0: Huh. Well Hilliard at this point says, I'm sorry, Gregory, I I told him about you know, your wife, Peggy. At this point the girl who's sitting with them blushes a little bit. He says, I told him about your wife, Peggy, I I thought Maybe it'd be best if they see for themselves. And Gregory gives you a kind of a a bit more of a stern look. He looks about 19 as well. He's a really young guy. And he says, so you saw, did you?
1: We only stepped in for a moment, but we saw enough. Enough to make us very curious about the Reverend's methods.
0: Curious, eh? It's an abomination. It's an unholy, terrible abomination.
1: Needless to say, we all need a drink. Would you care to join us?
0: Rightly so, rightly so. You going to help us?
1: Let's have a drink and discuss.
0: So the barman brings over a round of drinks and you all sit down. They introduce the woman, again a very young, attractive woman. Turns out she's the daughter of the blacksmith just to make life nice and complicated and the daughter of the woman clearly who likes sunbathing nude on the roof and she introduced herself as susie she looks about 17 she's even younger than gregory and and peggy you can all make a psychology role as well again i susie ship yeah no no ah ap well of course you're a man who sees inside people's very souls and you realize very immediately that there's something going on between Gregory and Susie, clearly. The way they're sitting, the way their arms are almost touching on the table as they rest on, on the table. it's You've seen this sort of thing.
1: I, I gathered as much just because they were in a bar together in the late afternoon. <laughs> it didn't take uh, Carl Young to deduce that.
0: Yeah, so you're realizing there's lots of layers of intrigue in this town. Everyone seems to be connected to each other and to the reverend. And But after a little while, maybe a few, you take a few slugs of your drinks. And Hilliard leans in and he says, look, I think I can trust you, yeah? Absolutely. He says, as the waft of whiskey breath comes over, over, <laughs> washes over you, he says, we're going to do something. This ain't right. This ain't right what's going on in this town. We gotta take matters into our own hands. Young Gregory here and Susie there. They're strong. They're they're committed. What you say? What you say, Gregory? You want to tell him?
1: Committed to what?
0: Gregory looks at you. He kind of ponders for a minute.
1: I whispered to Mister Chesterton. Certainly not to his wife.
0: He says, "Look, we're gonna do it. I'm gonna burn that fucking church down to the ground." Susie here, she said, "She'll help."
1: It is funny you should say that. We have just the thing. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm getting too excited. I'm sorry.
0: He says, These people, they gotta leave. They gotta go. I mean, it's not just Susie's mom. It's not just my wife. There are others, too. Hilliard, tell him about your man. Hilliard says, Oh, I try not to think too much about it. I mean, it's George. He's a laborer who works down at the mill. He had this terrible accident. The Reverend did something to him, and now he's surprised a young lamb. They ain't natural. He's not the same person. I I swear to God, there's something wrong inside these people after they get the touch from the Reverend.
3: So they get the touch from the Reverend, and then things go all pathology.
0: He says, look, I, I don't know how, how any of this stuff works, but it's like there's a price you gotta pay.
4: Yeah, sure.
0: Gregor's wife, she managed to have child. Suze's mother... Her skin cleared up. You could see. I'm sorry, Susie, but this man, George, works at the lumberyard. He could walk again, but bad other other stuff, bad stuff happened. I mean, Susie, what what's that you tell me? And Susie then perks up a bit. She says, oh, mister, my mama. I mean, beginning of the month, she's fine. But by the end, oh, man, you should see her. It's like it's all fallen off her. Oh, it's terrible. But then, come the next month, she's all fresh and new again. It ain't good, it ain't good. What about that other guy? Who was that you were telling about, Gregory? He says, it's that guy at the barber shop. (sighs) I swear to God, he eats like no one I've ever seen. After the Reverend spent that time with him, he'll eat enough for a, a normal man to be eaten in a month. And then he just sleeps. You should see the weights. It's like, how would you get so much food in one man's mouth? Does he perhaps unhinge his jaw? You know what? I swear to God, one time I thought it was. Just hanging down on his chest. As he just put that whole chicken in. Whole chicken.
1: A whole chicken? Two whole fried chickens and a Coke. Is what I heard. Yeah. Anyway, look.
0: We're going to do it. Susie got some stuff from her old pie. We're gonna do it. Gregory. We're gonna burn it down.
2: Is your father in on this, uh, Susie?
0: She says, Kana. I mean, he's one of us, the non believers, but we ain't told him what we're gonna do. He wouldn't be too happy, no matter what he thinks about the Reverend.
2: Well, he's probably pretty happy with your mom's new appearance, I would assume.
0: Daddy, he just wants us to be left alone so we can worship how we want, not be forced to do this crazy stuff with the snakes down at the church
3: are they forcing people to do it
0: and Hilliard kind of takes over the conversation this morning he says nah they ain't that unsubtle mister look they're not like forcing people to do this but people just seem to be wanting it promises something or other you tell me I don't know I don't understand how people's minds work
1: Gregory perhaps I could talk to you and Mr. Selby and Mr. Chesterton privately It's you see I don't want. Um, I have something to say to you, and I don't wish to say it in the presence of uh, Miss Schoenbaum.
0: Gregory says, "I can tell you're on our side, but look, we've got no secrets here. You can tell Susie; she's not as gentle as she looks.
4: <laughs> Believe me."
1: Well, I mean, what I have to say is, is kind of private. If Mister Selby here has has seen your son,
4: boy,
2: howdy.
0: Well, yeah.
2: That Seth of yours is
1: something else.
0: I don't want anything more to do with them.
1: But what would you be prepared to do if it came to it?
0: Look, you're asking me something I don't know the answer to. Fair enough. All I know is that those things under the stove, that ain't right.
3: Yeah, you can say that
2: again. Your wife, she just had Seth four months ago?
0: That's right. A month after the Reverend came and put his hand on her belly.
4: Uh Ah, I see. I mean...
0: He's my son, I reckon, but I ain't gonna be his father.
2: So he just put his hand on her belly, or were you there when this happened?
0: Hell no. I don't want nothing to do with that man. I could tell the day he came back from that walk, he were different. Okay. Okay. But look, are you gonna help? We're gonna do it tonight.
1: Now um, I would caution you from doing thing anything over rash. You see we have some assets that may help you. However, we do have a meeting with the good Reverend Tomorrow, and we would very much to uh, confront him ourselves, and not tip him off to something wrong with the burned-down church. You know, at least nothing so drastic as that. Would you be able to wait a day?
0: What do you reckon, Susie? She looks at him and says, "I suppose it can hurt, but we've got to get them out of here. We've got to get these people out. They've poisoned this place." What? I, uh, you know, in a manner of speaking, they poisoned the mines.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, I spit out my drink.
0: And then Gregory says, okay, mister, we'll give you a day. You you go and talk this reference, but you watch out. He's got a forked tongue, you know.
3: Well, we've dealt with the, yeah,
2: it's nothing new to us. Logan itches the spot on his neck.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> yeah. They all make a spot hidden roll. <laughs> do you wear like a scarf around your neck now, Logan?
2: I'm assuming I w- must do something, a high collared
0: shirt at least. High-coloured uh, shirt, yeah, it's turned up.
1: Mr. Selby, please, here, take some of my cravats. I have plenty, you know.
0: You all go around with cravats on. That's amazing.
2: I got that cool greaser look going on, you know. I got my collar up and my leather jacket. Oh,
0: nice. Uh, just a, a handkerchief, a kerchief around your neck. There very you good. go. Very good, very good. My flight jacket, that's it. Yeah, yeah, amazing.
2: Oh, you need that aviator scarf.
0: They They basically agree that they won't do anything today, but you can see that they are very motivated and very committed to getting rid of this evil in their town okay well maybe you finish up your drinks maybe get a, a bit of some beans and pork and bean stew from the kitchen
2: Hilliard, you don't have any
0: exotic meats here like snake meat do you he says if i didn't know you were joking sir i'd take that as a mighty tasteless comment uh,
1: yeah well mr selby have you tried this they call it pork and beans yes yeah. it's fantastic
2: You know, Professor, I know you just bought those boots, but it sounds like you might be getting some snakeskin ones soon.
1: I don't know if you know about this, but it's called white bread. Have you ever had white bread? Oh, yeah, white bread. Delicious. I've never heard of such a thing. What a marvelous invention.
0: I think you're somewhat missing the spice, though. It is a bit bland for your taste, Mr. Thackeray, I would say. but
1: Very tasty.
0: But but palatable.
3: But Richard being poor, he loves it, man. (laughs) That's all he ate.
2: It's the homemade butter that he's slathered all over it that he really likes.
0: Pork and beans. Right. So that you've clearly earned their trust, and they wish you well as you depart. But you may have to keep an eye on Gregory, because he, he looks like a little bit of a firebrand uh, hothead kind of guy.
1: Uh, tell me, Gregory, where are you staying? It is obviously not with your wife.
0: He says, well, uh, I'm going to go back tonight. I, I'll sleep on the couch.
1: Do you think that wise? Perhaps it would be best if you kept your distance until we have dealt with the Preacher.
0: Nah, if I don't go back, she'll just kick up a fuss and make life more complicated. It's fine. She's harmless. It's not her I think I'd be worried about.
1: Can I not perhaps persuade you in some way? No, evidently not.
0: Look, I appreciate the gesture, sir, but it's okay. I can handle. I can handle Peggy.
1: Can I use psychology to get him drunk? (laughs) Just... Just keep playing him with liquor and, like, telling him stories. Yeah, sure. Alright. I'm going to try to get him to pass out so I can take him with us.
0: Okay. Make another psychology roll.
1: He drinks me under the table. I pass. He drinks (laughs) Did I ever tell you that I met Carl Jung? It was in Austria at a convention, and he told me that my treatise on this psych Doc? Doc, what the what the Carl
0: John. And so the evening ends with your friends carrying you out of the bar.
3: In his cowboy hat and caps. Don't forget my hat. Yep.
0: Back to my hotel. Amazing. Oh, what an image. What an image. That is priceless.
2: We love it. Let's prop him up against the wall where they can take a few pictures, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe it's got one of those swing chairs outside on the on the veranda. <laughs> now, your appointment with the Reverend is 11 a.m. the next day. So uh, right. do you wish to do anything before that or should we just go straight to that?
3: The question is, do we want to go check out the barber with the...
0: Yeah, maybe you can get a haircut.
3: Yeah, you know, I got to keep my boyish good looks here.
2: I guess I could use a shave.
3: Of course, do we really want people looking at our skin that, uh, that closely?
1: Oh, this is true. Of course, we fit right in, right? Oh, perhaps you let the barber see a glimpse of it and gain his trust. There you go. Okay. What could go wrong? We'll pump
3: Thackeray full of coffee to get rid of his hangover.
0: Okay. So you head to Kunkel's Barbershop. Yeah. On entering, a bell above the door rings, summoning the barber himself, Ralph Kunkel. And he is a very dapper, well-turned-out young man. I think he's basing himself somewhat on Errol Flynn, even though Errol Flynn I don't think was famous yet in 1936, was he? I can't remember. Anyway, so he comes over and says, Oh, welcome, welcome. Please come in, uh, strangers. Trim, shave, just a bit of pampering maybe, perhaps? I could use a shave. He says, Yeah, please set yourselves down. You'd all like uh, a shave? You, sir, you look like you, you need one.
1: No, just uh, eau de cologne, please.
0: Okay, okay. Well, look, please sit down, and um, I'll take you one at a time.
3: Yeah, I could use a bit of a haircut myself.
1: And I'll take off the
2: scarf or whatever it is I'm wearing around my neck and make sure that that spot kind of shows a little bit.
0: Okay. There are only two chairs, so let's say he ushers Logan and... Mr. Chesterton. And Chesterton, yes, to the chairs. Yeah, there are two adjustable barber's chairs positioned in front of large mirrors... Um, scissors, razors, wax, and hair oil stand next to white enamel basins. There is a a ladies' room at the rear, much the same but sweeter smelling. You sit down, and Chesterton and Logan sit down in the barbers chairs. You, Thackeray, you're you're shown to just a chair in the waiting area, and there's an old grey-haired fellow who sat dozing in the chair next to you. His shirt is unbuttoned and his belt loosened, exposing a very swollen belly like he's had an enormous meal. A broom leans on the wall next to him. He's just snoring away next to you. And Ralph says, oh, I'm sorry about George. He must have overeaten again. He's always doing that, falling asleep. I'm afraid you have to wait a little while while I get round to you. My wife hasn't been very well recently. Normally she helps me out with cologne and shaves. But uh, if you just... Be patient. I'll get round to all of you. So he starts lathering up Logan <laughs> and says, oh, uh, I can see you're uh, new in town. Uh, you here for business? Pleasure.
2: Yeah, we heard about the gathering with the, uh, the minister. Oh, oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Reverend Cornfield, of course, of course. Yes, yes.
3: Yeah, someone thought we'd come check
0: that out. Yes, yes.
3: I'm sorry to hear your wife's been in a bad way.
0: Oh, well, she's been acting up a bit. Well, he did lay his hands on her and heal her. She's been acting up a bit recently, that's all. And then you hear this kind of stamping from upstairs, and he looks up and says, oh, that, that's her now. She's, I don't know, she, she just makes a lot of noise. And Anyway, so you want the full shave? Do you want me to leave a little bit, you know, on the top lip? Stunning, stunning little stash there, sir? Full shave, please. Full shave, okay. okay. Yeah, so, as I said, I'm so sorry about Harry. I don't like to disturb him. He he just goes into this deep sleep after eating. Oh.
3: Mm -hmm. Is that new? Or has he always been like that?
0: Oh, he's always had an appetite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he starts shaving you. Are you actually going to let him see your scales? Sure, why not? He says, oh, the Reverend's been just a complete blessing for this town, I tell you. Mm. Oh, yeah? Yes, yes. I mean, for most of us, of course. Some, though, have not taken to the, the new ways, you see. They gather in secret, trying to, I don't know, I suppose, recover some of the, the old-time religion. But things move on, don't they? Yes. Things change. We're, we have to keep up with the times, eh? As he shaves you. And then he lets out a tiny little gasp. He says, sir, what's wrong with your neck there? As he just gently reaches his fingertips to touch it.
2: But don't touch it. It's a rash. I, uh, I was out of country here a couple of weeks ago. And I just, I don't know, something bit me, I think. Goodness me. You should get that looked at. That doesn't look good. Well, you know, I thought Mr. Cornfield maybe might be able to help
0: too. Oh, maybe so, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. He says, well, look, I'll keep well away from you. I don't want to inflame it or irritate it at all. it uh, gives you a really fine shave with a straight razor. I don't know about you, gentlemen, but I uh, never feel very happy when a barber gets out the straight razor. <laughs> I am not a... Maybe I'm just not a trusting enough person. Yeah,
2: well, I've only experienced that maybe twice, so...
0: Yeah, it's not as common anymore, but blimey. Yeah, I don't really like that. Right, so he's shaping you away, but suddenly you do hear another thump coming from upstairs. And you hear heavy footsteps kind of coming down the stairs. And he says, oh, goodness me. I'm so sorry, that's my wife again. Oh, Mrs. Kunkel, she just... Oh, I don't know what to... And as he's trying to kind of explain it away... Suddenly a door to the back room just bursts open and a woman runs out and Ralph says, oh, sweetie, please, not not while I've got customers. And she's wearing a grubby nightdress and she just kind of skitters forward in this kind of strange motion, like she's kind of, I don't know, quite nervous and jumpy. And she looks around the room, she looks at you all with this odd jerking head movement and then her eyes fix on the window behind you Mr. Thackeray. She suddenly jumps forward right up to the window with an incredibly sharp motion, grabs at the window and you see she's caught this fly between her fingertips. And then she just pops it in her mouth and with a look of glee just chews on it and swallows. And then she just turns around, heads to the back of the shop and goes back upstairs. And then Ralph goes, ha, women, eh?
3: Yeah, I guess that's one way to get some protein.
0: Is she pregnant? Pregnant? Oh, no. We decided not to have kids. Probably for the best, eh? <laughs> he continued shaving you.
3: Has she always had a exotic taste in food?
0: Well, uh, she told me she once ate fish. Oh, okay. That's not that exotic. For Bingham, Oklahoma in the Dust Bowl, it probably is.
3: Probably is, yeah.
2: You probably mean sushi.
0: Yeah. He says, oh, no, I... I um... Anyway, so... You're going to go and uh, catch one of the services while you're here? And the Reverend, mighty fighter.
2: We actually have an appointment to meet with him this morning.
0: Oh, you do? You do? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, maybe we'll see you later at the service as well. And he just kind of makes small talk from that point. Thackeray, you're sitting next to this dozing man who's clearly Harry Mathewson. I'll, I'll show you a picture of him. He was the guy that they were obviously talking about, the one who seems to eat prodigiously and then and then sleep. He hasn't stirred for even a split second in the time that you've been next to him, just snoring away.
1: Can I use maybe spot-hidden to see if I pick up anything interesting or uh, out of place about him? But
0: yeah, you can not spot-hidden, sure.
1: Besides his um, distended belly.
0: Is he
2: shedding?
1: Yeah.
0: No, you don't see anything. Well, apart from the fact that he clearly eaten enough for a week from the distended and, and tautness of his belly, you could almost play it like a drum. It's got so much food in <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else unusual about him. There's no nothing snaky about him, if that's what you mean. Or at least not to your visible eye. Not to your eyes, at least.
1: I'm going to stagger to my feet, obviously very hungover. And I'm going to uh, uh, stumble a bit and fall forcefully on top of his belly. Oh, jeez. Just to see what
0: happens. You fall down on his ample belly, almost bouncing off it. It's so taut. And he just, like, slowly opens his eyes and he goes, ''Huh?'' Oh,
1: terribly sorry, terribly sorry.
0: Oh, what was that? In
1: a delicate condition. I Terribly sorry, I I stumbled. Completely my fault. Please, uh, is there anything I can do for you, sir?
0: No, I'm I'm fine, I'm fine. And then he just falls asleep again.
1: (laughs) All right, so I just bounced off of it, right? Yeah. Oh, well.
0: He was awake for about three seconds, and then he just fell asleep and started snoring again. And Ralph says, oh, don't mind old Harry. Tomorrow he'll be right as rain and be back on his feet again. Just you watch.
1: Well, we're in Rome and I sit down across from him and I fall asleep myself.
0: Okay. So.
1: Uh, Ralph, is there
2: by chance a payphone nearby?
0: Ralph says, certainly we got one here. Do you? You can use it. Of course you can, sir. Excellent. There's a little booth in the corner with a payphone in it. All right. So once he's finished shaving, did you want to use it?
2: Well, I was thinking I should probably, I wasn't expecting there to be one here. I was going to suggest or ask my compatriots if maybe we should check in with our, uh, kind of let them know. Oh, with the caduceus? Yeah, let them know what we've discovered so far. You know, maybe they might want to send some other troops this direction or...
0: Hmm, okay. Well, there was also one at the post office.
1: Well, this one may have less people overhearing what we're saying.
0: Yep,
3: good idea, Mister Selby.
2: I guess it would be a telegraph we'd send. I don't remember. Yeah, I guess
0: might be payphones. Yeah, in the thirties, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so having had this rather picturesque odyssey to the barber shop and seen, let's call him the boa constrictor man and the fly eating gecko woman,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you leave with feeling absolutely million dollars. There's one thing about Ralph; he may be completely nuts and not realising what's going on around him, but he does do a good shave. Your skin is is just tingling and and feeling great as you come out. A little bit sore, of course.
2: 1889, actually, was the one the first
0: payphone was installed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you want to head then to the telegraph station, telegraph office, and make a call.
2: Does uh, Mr Chesterton and the professor agree that maybe we should check in?
3: We can, and hope. I don't know when they'll be able to get a response back, unless we actually do call them.
2: I'm just thinking. Maybe it's best that we just let them know what we've just kind of discovered so far, just in case we don't
0: ever show up again.
3: Yeah. Yes, Martin. Like I said, you in the duck, The idea, man.
0: Okay. So a, li- a little okay. while later, you are on the phone to Doctor Gonzalez, who's obviously your who's your main contact now at uh, Caduceus, after the unfortunate, untimely death of Shapira. Yeah. Gonzalez is on the phone, and he says.
2: Yes, definitely indeed. Right, right. We've discovered quite a bit of unusual activity here and seems to be maybe a breeding farm of sorts. A breeding
4: farm? This is not what I was expecting to hear. What do you mean exactly a breeding farm?
2: We've experienced at least one woman here that's pregnant uh, and she seems to be having snake children. I mean, we've actually seen a, a baby, at least I have personally seen a, one baby that's a snake. has very snake features, anyway, but yet human features as well.
4: Huh. This is interesting, sir. This implies that there is some operation there with uh, Serpent Person technology to, put, to trigger these transformations. That, that would be my guess. Have you seen
2: any evidence of this? Well, the one baby that I saw, we were informed that uh, she had him, I was a male, four months ago. And the woman is currently pregnant again, obviously pregnant again. And the doctor, Mr. Thackeray, and Mr. Chesterton also saw some possibly snake eggs as well. Snake
4: eggs? And you said she's human.
2: She's human. The eggs were being in- incubated in a way.
4: Sure there were no signs of hybridization in her? I mean, how could a human lay eggs otherwise?
2: I saw nothing when I peered into her eyes. Just from my experience of what I've seen anyway.
4: This does not sound possible, Mr Selby. The technology that we have been aware of is it hybridizes. It does not allow humans to give birth to serpent people. This does not make any sense.
2: Well, I'm just telling you what we've discovered so far.
4: Well, this is troubling. This sounds like something we need to know more about. Look, Mr. Selby, do not cause too much agitation amongst these people. We Find out more, find out how these things are happening. Find out if, if it is indeed some kind of technology that we are not aware of.
2: Well, the other complication we have run into is some of the locals that are either related to or familiar with are planning on trying to eliminate the problem themselves, I should say. Well, We don't really have any control over that.
4: No, but you are capable people. Please do not let any evidence be destroyed. I don't really care what happens to these people, really, but if we can avoid bloodshed, that would be the best. At the very least, we must find out why and how this has happened.
2: I'm sorry, Mr. Gonzalez, but I'm not in the, the, the business of murdering my fellow Americans.
4: Rightly so, and rightly so. Well, look, Find out more about this cornfield. Discover how these things are happening. There must be a, a cell somewhere. It must be in a night, surely, making these transformations happen. How else could they be happening? I can't even imagine.
2: Well, I just wanted to call and kind of update you, just in case we happen to disappear.
4: Okay. Well, look, if you need anything else, if you need any supplies, munitions, you let me know.
2: Hey, Richard, are you uh, you're good on fuel for your flamethrower?
3: Yeah, I think I'm good. I haven't haven't used it yet.
0: Okay, so the conversation ends, and it is now time for your little appointment, Reverend Bormfield. And we are at time, so I think we will have to leave it.
5: And he said, boys, I'm not turning. I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal fountains. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, there's a land that's fair and bright. Where the handouts grow on bushes, and you sleep out every night. Where the boxcars all are empty, and the sun shines every day. On the birds and the bees and the cigarette trees. The lemonade springs where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, all the cops have wooden legs. And the bulldogs all have rubber teeth, and the hens lay soft-boiled eggs. The farmers' trees are full of fruit, and the barns are full of hay.